images of Jesus being crucified with words of proclamation as him as king. They don't set well in my soul. And yet this week, between now and the next time that you're going to sit probably in about the exact same spot you are now, we remember and participate in this thing called Holy Week in which celebrating today this idea that Jesus once entered town and many upon many proclaimed him in the words that we just sang, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But between now and next week, we recognize that many of those same people participated or stood by and watched as the Christ was turned over, beaten, hung on a cross, suffered and died a very brutal death. And yet most of us will leave today like, okay, well, it's all in a week's work <laughs> for Jesus. Not that big a deal. But it's, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. My hope is that by the end of our time together today, you leave this place with a very fresh reality that the person, the one that you proclaim as king better be the right king. Because if we proclaim the wrong king, We've probably, most certainly, made a very grave mistake. And so this is where we'll begin. There's other awkwardnesses, uh, like the fact that I'm here and Pastor Jeffrey's not. I found out Thursday morning via text message. Actually, I ignored it the first time it came in because it was way too early for anyone to be calling me unless somebody was dead. <laughs> that Pastor Jeffrey was working out for uh, Wednesday evening and uh, had injured his back. And pretty badly, and so he's at home this morning attempting to recover, 
And it became obvious Thursday afternoon after the doctors, after he'd you know, been with the doctors long enough that, well, I was up. So right before he went into a very loopy stage with medication, he tried to uh, tell me what it was he was going to speak about this morning, who it was he was planning to look at this morning in Scripture. We'll see if he ever chooses to watch the podcast, how well I do, and what he was thinking about doing. Because normally Thursday's the day where he would put all of his sermon notes together. So he didn't even have those to go off of. So I'm here. Um, wait, real quick. How many of you reading through the Bible this year? Great. Doing good? Is it, is it good? Well, I'm not going to read mine anymore. <laughs> that was lousy. <laughs> and for all those who are here going, wow, I was thinking about God. Um, they're not now. How's it going? Are you learning? Are you growing? I hope. I am. I stayed up too late last night finishing Joshua. Too late to the point that as I was reading ahead a couple of days. Anyone else, when you get to the end of a book, just kind of want to finish it before the, when you're supposed to? So you just kind of finish in advance? Awkward. Yeah. Today, what Pastor Jeffrey thought was very fitting, and, and I can't help but absolutely agree, is to compare two kings. One from our walk through the histories. You, you see the timeline in front of you and and uh, for those of you, maybe this is your first day. This year we're walking through the Bible, and, and uh, right now we're in the, the section called History. Today we're going to look at Second Chronicles. But because of the significance of this day, we're also going to come to the Gospels. Let's take a look at a couple of those. Because today is one day in our calendar as Christians that's vital to our understanding of who God is. So we're going to compare two kings today. One from the Old Testament, whose name happens to be Uzziah, and the other from the New Testament, whose name happens to be none other than Jesus. Uzziah's name, and you'll notice there's, there's really not... Are there any notes? Any, Amy, are there any fill-in-the-blanks today? Like two? All right, so you got lots of space. So if anything I say has any value today, you can figure it out on your own. And you've got plenty of space to write, either really large font or really small. Uzziah's name actually means Yahweh is my strength. It's a profound thing as we will look at his story but the other thing that I want you to understand is that as we talk about Uzziah, 
It, it, by the end of the morning, you could think, man, that was a really harsh look at this one dude. But it's important that we understand that throughout the histories, books of the Bible, there's what my first grade son would call a pattern. And it's, it's not a perfect pattern, but it's, it's mostly for all the early childhood teachers in the room. It's what you might call an A-B-A-B pattern. The A in the pattern are the leaders that God says they will lead. And as God put them in place, they led in a way that honored God to their death. The B in the pattern serves as the people's choice. The, the leaders, the people wanted to be king. And the basic pattern progresses that those leaders were not faithful to their death. And so earlier this morning already, as I stated, it's very important that by the end of the day we recognize that we proclaim the right king as king. It begins to take hold. Because as you read through your Bible this year, and as most of you will have read through the histories within the next month of this year. As you do that, look at the pattern. Notice the difference between the ones who God calls to be leader and puts in the position of leader and the one that says the people did. And so we'll jump in and we'll begin this morning to compare a tale of two kings. A tale doesn't mean a false story. It doesn't mean I don't believe Jesus is real. That would be dumb. A tale of two kings. It's a story. And you'll still see, you'll see Uzziah and, and we'll match him line for line with Jesus as we go this morning. Again, Uzziah representing the pattern. Second Chronicles chapter 26. I would encourage you to find two places in your Bible so you can flip back and forth. And this is one of those times it's really nice to have an actual Bible and not the phone Bible. But you can do it either way. Second Chronicles chapter 26 and Luke chapter 19. I'll give you, I'll give you about 30 seconds to find those two places.
So 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1. The, the first thing that we're going to look at, and I just went out of order for Nick, is we're going to look at who makes who king. And 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1 says this, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. Do we have a 16-year-old right down here? Anyone 16? Yeah? My buddy Trey. You're not? Ah, oh, Travis just lied. Travis, you're 16? Travis is 16. St Tra you, would you stand up real quick? Travis is king. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. Uzziah was 16 years old, and they made him king in place of his father. I don't get that. 16-year-old running your country? <laughs> we'll leave the jokes for later. <laughs> but, but that kind of thing happens often. And, and he likely served for several years with his father, before he took the reins completely. But 16-year-old is made king. And he's made king by the people of Israel. The people make him king. So in the A-B pattern, is Uzziah an A king or a B king? B. And then, if we flip to Luke 19, verse 38. Now we're talking about Jesus, because we're in the New Testament, of course. And we're at this point in the video we watched, the what we think about today, if you've been a Christian for very long in Palm Sunday, we're in that moment in history and Jesus is in the entry. And in verse 38, the people say, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of Yahweh. Name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, the people are proclaiming Him as King, but someone already has. God made Jesus king. You see that? The people, simply a recognition. And as we'll understand, it's a, uh, and as we think this next week going forward, it's, it's a wrong recognition. Their understanding of who Jesus the king was was wrong. He is still the king. They just misunderstood. Secondly, and, and we're just looking at some observations here, so we're going to go back and forth pretty quickly. If we go back to 2 Chronicles, there's an animal of choice, a, a mode of transportation of choice. Mine is nicely broken in, 140,000 miles. And I get to fix work on it every once in a while but it's been paid for for a long time, and I really like that. 
The transportation of choice. Uzziah 20, chapter 26, verse 6. He went to war against the Philistines. Broke down the walls of Gath. And I'm going to screw up these names. Jabna and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. Now remember, these Philistines are the people that scared off the Israelites when they were wandering and they went in to, to look at the land. They were some of those that they were very afraid of. Goliath was a Philistine who died by a stone, by a king chosen by God. God helped him against the Philistines, Uzziah, talking about, and against the Arabs who lived in Gur, Baal, and against the Munites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he'd become very powerful. Now, this isn't going to give us, that doesn't tell us what he wrote on. But if you understand world history, and I only do because of wikipedia.com, a king like this, a warrior king, he would have shown up on a horse. Maybe a white stallion. Because he's the man. And the horse, the specimen that it is, was a sign of dominance. It's quick, strong, beautiful. And that's what kings rode on. Kings today ride in bulletproof, missile-proof limousines <laughs> because it's a status symbol and it's a symbol of protection and all of those things. They were true of the horse of its day. They, they gave it the best chance of protection and status. And Uzziah would certainly have ridden a horse. But Jesus... Luke chapter 19, verses 29, beginning there. As Jesus approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. A colt could be a baby horse, could also be a donkey. Usually we think it to be a donkey. You will find a colt there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you taking my colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
Jesus rode a donkey. Quick and agile as it may be. <laughs> Where I came from, they had donkey basketball. Anyone seen one of those games? They put shoes on them so they don't ruin the floor. It's the only those of us from Hick areas. <laughs> Y'all come over, go play donkey ball, you know. <laughs> but the people ride the donkeys to play a game of basketball. It's completely hideous because donkeys are stubborn and slow. Not something you want your king riding. But Jesus always messes with the mind, doesn't he? He always does things that seem backwards to the way we want them done. And Jesus comes in on this donkey, and one thing we know is this donkey, it's never been ridden. And one thing that that could point us to the reality is that no one of power and authority would have ever been on it. So it was absolutely the most humble of forms of transportation. And that's the way King Jesus makes his entrance. Let's go back to Second Chronicles. Verse 9, chapter 26 again, verse 9. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angel, angle, angel, what is it? That one, yeah. Man, the mind is just like totally blank on that word. But you know it, you got it. Angel of the wall. Before the That's a weird place. I get it, but it's a weird place. So he's like back here at the angle of the wall. And he fortified them. He built towers in the desert, dug many cisterns. Because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands. For he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army that he led from a horse. Ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers. As mustered by Jeel, the secretary and the M, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made machines designed by skillful men 
for use on the towers and on the corner defenses to shoot arrows and hurl large stones. The issue is one of fortification. Uzziah was great at building these structures and systems, organizing people to be safe. To conquer other people. But you fortify to make sure they can't conquer you. Luke, verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus recognizes that the people on their own have built walls that kept them from recognizing who the true king is. And in the way they lived their life, they also, maybe in the busyness, chasing your kids' activities, working too many hours to be a real dad or a real mom, for the 18 years you have a chance to be. He recognized that the decisions that the people were making and had made led them to the point where not only people were fortifying them against, away from the real king, but they were doing it themselves. And the relationships they made, the ways of thinking they had, everything about their lives kept them from recognizing the one true king. And when we do this, it changes our understanding of how we enter the temple. Second Chronicles. Verse 16. After Uzziah became powerful, his pride it led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You say, so what's the big deal? Only the priest did that. 
others who had tried before had died. Because it was a place that God said, this is holy. This is set apart. And only my chosen do this. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests. I guess they were the ones that decided they would do it because they knew that Uzziah rode a horse. And so you only wanted the people who were willing to stand up against a horse rider to confront him. Uzziah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, It's not right for you, Uzziah, to to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense, been set apart to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. Uzziah entered the temple. He had gotten such a big head. In the time where he was unfaithful to God. Uzziah got to the point where he thought he could play God. He could make the rules. He could do what he wanted. And God reminded him that only God is God. In Luke, Jesus enters the temple. Verse 45, Jesus entered the temple area, began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. See, the people would come that time of year to make their sacrifices, to by their trip and their actions once they arrived, remind themselves, proclaim to the Lord and proclaim to the world that Yahweh alone is God. And sometimes they didn't have the animals to take with them for the strange sacrifices that they would do, strange to us today. And so there were people who had set up 
shop in the parking lot of the church. To sell animals that the people could offer as sacrifices. But because they knew they had traveled a long way on a holiday weekend, they raised the gas prices and the hotel rates. You feel the pain now, right? That's what was happening. That's what Jesus came in and said, you've turned this place which is supposed to be a holy place, set apart to me alone as God, You've turned it into a place to take advantage of those who are trying to do the things that would honor God. And Jesus kicks their butts right out. I mean, he just, I, don't, I doubt he kung fu'd them. But he got them out. Because God doesn't put up with. He's full of of grace and mercy. And as you have read, those of you who are reading through the Bible, you get that. You see how messed up the Israelites were at times. And God continues to be slow to be angry. Slow to bring about His wrath. But God ultimately will not put up with our crap. Because He is a holy God. And because He is who He is, He deserves nothing less than our complete faithfulness. A couple of notes here. This is where you actually get to fill in some blanks. Some recognitions, some observations from these two kings Pride excludes the self from proper worship of God. And I say proper worship because everything we do is worship. Worship isn't the music we sing alone. It's the actions, the way we live. And so sometimes our worship honors God and other times it dishonors God and honors something much less than God. So pride excludes the self from proper worship of God, but humility invites kingship of God through worship. Next thing, pride is a downfall that leads to the wrath of God. We saw that in Uzziah. Uzziah, again, being our example of the B in the ABAB pattern. Humility is a strength that leads to the exaltation of God. In 2 Chronicles 26, verse 5, it says, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah the priest, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. The interesting thing in that verse to me 
is not that the idea that if I do right, God gives me success, but it's the as long as He sought. Dinner bell. This language suggests Uzziah's humanness. Right? As long as you are faithful, you recognize God's provision. But when you live unfaithful, we begin to think that we're king. That I can be God. Isaiah, prophet, chapter 6. Man, the coolest time I ever heard this read. I don't remember the guy's name. But he's this big old black dude. It was amazing. I mean, could they have a way of preaching that white guys can't? <laughs> All right? I mean, just amazing. And he was, I was in Oklahoma City. I remember, man, I could probably go just to about the same spot I was sitting that day. In Isaiah chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Wow. Man, what would that be like? Isaiah recognizes God and calls God the Holy One of Israel. And Uzziah for us reflects back onto the life of Uzziah. Because remember, in the year that King Uzziah died, and if we look at, at uh, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 21, we see ultimately King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. His dishonoring of God, he, he lived in a separate house 
leprous, excluded from the temple of the Lord. Uzziah reflects in that, those verses back onto who Uzziah. Isaiah reflects back to who Uzziah was. The ending when he became unfaithful. And, and Isaiah is one, one of our great prophets that, that speaks forward to the life of Jesus. And, and often... Leading up to Christmas, we, we quote Isaiah. He speaks forward to who Jesus is. this point in history, on this day as we celebrate it, this day in history. Jesus enters town not on a horse but a donkey. First proclaimed as king by God. And John tells us in chapter 12 having recognized all that Jesus had done and how the people were following and intrigued by him. John says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See, our attempts at taking this guy out, they're getting us nowhere. Look. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And my question today, the question of Scripture today for us is, are you going after Jesus or Uzziah? Are you going after Jesus? Or Uzziah. Uzziah's life ended separate from God. Alone. I think alone was a big word last week in the message. Uzziah ended life alone because of his unfaithfulness to God. Jesus died alone on a cross, but through this really weird week ahead of us, we recognize that he didn't die there forever alone. He would be the one who would rise Victorious. So let me ask you this morning. Would, no one looking around. Everyone, if you just think about your life for a moment. The decisions you're making. 
Don't blame anyone else. It really wouldn't help. In your life, are you really proclaiming Jesus as King? We live in this world that wants to tell us that we need to pray a prayer saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And then we go do whatever we want as long as the good outweighs the bad. That's a Uzziah way of thinking. And you see where it got him. What is true to Scripture is that when we pray today and every day, and as we live out our life every day, in word, thought, and deed, our lives proclaim Jesus as the true King, the one and only King. And in our humanness, when we don't. We proclaim someone or something else. That is not God, King. If you're here this morning, no one looking around, and you'd say, I need to proclaim Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords of my life today. Would you just look up at me? Say, I need to do that. I see you. I see you, 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 all through I see you. You're saying, I need to proclaim Jesus as King. I've proclaimed others, and it's not right. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. More importantly, God sees and recognizes. Let me ask you a question. Take it a step further. The people around you, who do they say you proclaim as king? Do they know, the person in the cubicle next to you, do they know that Jesus is king of your life? My goodness. I hear stories all the time where people go, oh, I ran into so-and-so in my office and I started, I had no idea they went to the same church or I had no idea, that they had no idea I was a Christian. Are you kidding? If that's the case, you need to do a better job of proclaiming Christ as king. And what better time 
than today. Proclaim him as king. As I think about, I mean, that's the big picture. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the big picture, folks. When I look around here, since I spend most of my week here, it's really easy to do. And as we talk and as we plan and as we think about this next week, even, entrances are really important. You can show up on a horse or you can show up on a donkey, but entrances are really important. And, and there's some things that it did, it did lack around here, at this place where you are right now. Every week, people enter our building and uh, they don't think that we care enough because as they enter, they don't know where to go. They don't know where to take their kids. And so just a couple of really practical things as a community. We need people that would welcome people into our building. We need people to help make our building welcome and Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and make our, make our place welcome and safe and friendly. And, and we need that. And, th- and next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we have two services, 9 and 1030. Did you catch that? 9 and 10.30, not 10.15. If you come early, we'll just make you a greeter. <laughs> but we need lots of greeters and ushers next week. Because there are going to be a lot of people that won't know where to take their children or where to pick up the donuts. Well, they may figure that out. But we need, and, and as you leave this morning... Uh, in a few moments, and, and we're not done yet. We're going to be taking communion this morning together. But, but we need greeters and ushers every single week. But we also need, especially this next week, we need people who will make an entrance for Jesus by caring for our children, by teaching them, by changing dirty diapers so they don't think that when they come to church they get a rash on their butt. We need people who care. We need, there are many here that do, but we need many of you who don't care enough to care more about the entrance of Jesus into people's lives. So whether it's nursery children, babies, or, or children, or teenagers. There's always a need for godly people. Not perfect people. People who proclaim Jesus as King to help make entrances. I really think that uh, our entrance people could trip over the strands of carpet because we need to raise a little more money to replace the carpet in this place. And I don't know how much we need, $40,000 probably, something like that, and then we could actually do it. But we've been working on Renew, and, and, and that's needed. It'll create a greater entrance for people to be comfortable, and rather than wonder about why they have 
kind of weird wall colors and green, which is really weird carpet. If, if you can, I'd encourage you to give to that. And then I want on a very personal level this morning, before we uh, take communion, I, over the last several months, God has been working in my life in a huge way. And uh, I have three friends that we've been growing a lot together. And uh, we, we have been fasting one day a week. Proclaiming Christ as Lord of our lives in new and fresh ways. Seeking Him to help us be better husbands. Fathers. Men of God. And uh, I had never fasted anything in my life other than Coke when I'd go backpacking. That was a big deal back then. <laughs> it's a big deal now. But it's taught me a few lessons. And one of the things I feel like God is calling me to, and I want to see if God might call you to this as well. We understand from the Bible that Jesus died at about 3 o'clock on Friday, this coming Friday. I want to encourage you. Jesus was with his disciples, and, uh, and people wondered, why aren't they fasting? And Jesus said, well, they, they don't fast because I'm with them. Beginning at Friday at 3, we come to this recognition that the person of Jesus is now dead. And I want to encourage you, unless the doctors have told you otherwise, I just want to encourage you to consider fasting with me and many others from Friday at 3 p.m. till Sunday morning when we understand Jesus is no longer dead and as we would gather together in this place and in that moment proclaim He is risen, He is risen indeed. And in that moment, we recognize that we don't need to fast because Jesus is with us again. I want to encourage you to consider that. It'll kick your butt unless you just do this thing normally. And you may need to drink juice throughout the day, water. Maybe you won't go nothing, no food, water, anything. That would be up to you. God wouldn't care if you drink juice or not. But Friday at 3 till Sunday morning when we all come together and actually say the words, He is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to encourage you to do that. And then give extra grace to your family members because you'll get cranky. <laughs> I get cranky in one day, apparently. <laughs> Proclaim Jesus as King this morning. In a moment, uh, servers, you can come. We're going to partake of communion. After communion, uh, we'll sing a couple of songs. Uh, encourage you, your uh, prayer cards, and, and we'll move the, the prayer bin up. Um, I would encourage you 
to bring your praises and requests to the Lord. But, but in a moment, after I pray, we're, we're going to receive the elements to participate in, uh, in this meal that really places us in the story of Christ. You don't have to be a member here, but you really shouldn't take this unless you today proclaim Christ as the King. Because it was this King who was very well misunderstood, who gathered with his disciples in those last days of his life on earth. He was eating the Passover meal and he took the bread and passed it around and he said, this is my body and it's going to be broken for you. And this is my blood and I'm going to pour it out for you. He didn't tell him exactly what it would look like. And so there was confusion. And one in the room immediately said Uzziah is king by his actions. And eventually all of them would basically say Uzziah is king rather than Jesus is king. But most would come back. So this morning, as you would come and, and take the elements, the servers, uh, go ahead and, and, and come forward. I would encourage you to come and, and just come, and just row by row, go out your left, come back in around your right. But as you come, partake in the elements. And what you'll do, and, and so we need to make sure, servers, that we're, the bread is on the first side they'll come to, so I know we'll have to switch. But uh, take the bread and then dip it in the juice. And as you leave, I would encourage you to say these words. Jesus is King. Father God, we come before you today recognizing that you alone are God. Lord, we're going to proclaim you as king because God proclaimed you as king. Lord, we worship you this morning. We pray these things in King Jesus' name. Amen.